Hey, Unchained listeners. As you know, it's hard keeping up with the fast-paced world of crypto, so we've got just the thing for you. Subscribe to our free Unchained daily newsletter at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. You'll get the latest crypto news and original articles from our reporters, as well as summaries of other happenings and bullet points, plus our meme of the day, all curated and written by our amazing team. It's still your no-hype resource for all things crypto, just in newsletter form. Sign up at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Heads up, everyone. Just a quick note before we begin. I'm doing a giveaway of three tickets to the Real Vision Crypto Gathering March 24th to 26th, in which I'll be interviewing Bitcoin on-chain analyst Willie Wu and Factor Report author and publisher Peter Brandt. If you're interested in what is happening with Bitcoin and where the price of the OG cryptocurrency will be going later this year, you definitely won't want to miss this discussion. To enter to win by 3 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, March 23rd, first, follow the Unchained Podcast Twitter account at Unchained underscore pod, and second, tweet about your favorite Unchained or Unconfirmed episode with a link and the hashtag Unchained Giveaway. Again, the deadline is 3 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, March 23rd, and to enter to win, you need to follow the Unchained Pod Twitter account, tweet about your favorite Unchained or Unconfirmed episode with a link, and the hashtag Unchained Giveaway. We will contact the winners on Twitter shortly after 3 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. Now, on to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unconfirmed, the show that reveals how the marquee names in crypto are reacting to the week's top headlines and gets the inside scoop on what they see on the horizon. I'm your host, Laura Shin, a journalist with over two decades of experience. I started covering crypto five years ago, and as a senior editor at Forbes, was the first mainstream media reporter to cover cryptocurrency full-time. Unchained and Unconfirmed are now published as videos. If you're not yet subscribed to the Unchained YouTube channel, head to youtube.com slash C slash Unchained Podcast and subscribe today. The Crypto.com app pays you up to 8.5% interest on your Bitcoin. Get $25 when you download the Crypto.com app with code LAURA. The link is in the description. Today's guest is Meta Coven, founder and financier of Metapurse. Welcome, Meta Coven. Thank you, Laura. Thank you for having me. So you purchased a collection of 5,000 pieces of digital art that anyone can easily see online for $69 million. Why did you do that? Mm. I get this a lot these days, um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. So uh, actually, this this has been um, this trend of of NFTs is 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 something that's very new. But you know, NFTs itself is not. And uh, I've been like in NFT since 2017. Uh, we've been focused on you know understanding and and seeing what 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 these nfts mean in the larger context um, and so we developed various theses around you know like how how we look at this and what 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 is this going to do to the world and so we've been doing several purchases over now 2 3 years right and We've been into our collectibles, uh, virtual land, um, art uh, from various artists. And so by by December last year, what, what really caught my uh, attention was the fact that, you know, like art uh, coming into crypto and, and creating this cultural moment is causing a new set of people to come into the space, right? Like artists 
need not be technical. They, they, uh, you, it, it's almost like you take your skill in, in, in 2014, 15, maybe you should have your tech skill or your computer skill. And then that's how you mine for Ethereum, right? Like our Bitcoin. And now, if you are skilled in some other way, you're good in, say, Adobe Illustrator or something, you get your chance to mine your Ethereum, right? Like, that's, that's, that's something of how I see it. So, and it's very nice because we are, we are allowing so many new people to enter. And what happened was we had a greater thesis on understanding what these NFTs mean and how these artists will become more valuable in the future. So Beeple was one of them who we thought is going to be the artist of our generation. He has all the parameters um, which which make him one of the most precious artists. And it's a bet, right? Like, I'm not saying we paid the right amount or uh, we, we know exactly what we were doing, right? But what I'm trying to say is it's, it's, a, it's a bet on the fact that people is going to be the artist of our gen- generation. And so can you fill out that thesis around NFTs and this virtual world a little bit more and also explain why it is that people you felt really fit all this pra- these parameters that you're looking for? Sure. So NFTs are, if you, if you take um, art, digital art, and, uh, and that's uh, backed by an NFT, I would say it's 10x better than the physical uh, physical counterpart. <laughs> Uh, again, physical counterpart have history, right? Like I'm not, I'm not taking that away from them, but think about something that's done today, right? Like what I'm saying is you, like if you, if you take it for cost, a lot of people compare like, oh yeah, like Mona Lisa is, is worth so much. Yeah, it is worth so much, but it's not the paint that's worth so much, right? Like it's, it's the skill. Uh, it's, it's, it's the story. It's the, it's the painter itself. It's there are a lot of other parameters that, that is not just what tools or, you know, the paint, the cost of the paint that went into something. So there is a lot of, you know, subjective value here. So that same subjective value can carry to the digital realm. I don't think that's going to, you know, that's going to be the question. The, the harder question is, 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 is this not replicable, right? Like, can we not copy paste, etc.? But in the case of people, the beauty is that there is a story, right? Like, he's, he's a, he's an artist, a digital artist who has been very, um, I would say, I, I want to use the word honorable because that's where we're going in terms of artists and NFTs, because that's how you, if you are an artist, and you want to make sure you you are relevant in the, into the future i think you need to be a honorable person right like you need to be understand scarcity you need to understand your collectors you need to make sure that you're not you're not here to like grab some people like cash from people so what people did was he has worked over 5000 years every day right like he worked on the day he was getting married. He worked on the day he had a child, right? 5,000 days. Day, yeah. 5,000 days. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, if I said something else, 5,000 days every day. And, and that's very inspiring to me. And if you look at the f- whole, this Christie's piece, the first picture is so am- amateurish. It's, it's something I can draw, right? Like I, a 10 year old can draw and the, and and the latest latest one is something that's so complex, and 
And if you t- take the whole thing together, it's an inspiration to tell people, uh, to tell the world that the only thing that's unhackable is time. And if you put in your put in effort every day, you would be successful. And just out of curiosity, how would this be different if there was an artist who worked on one piece of art for 13 years and then presented it? Like, And even by that, I mean, it doesn't have to be visual art. It could be like a book or a movie or, you know, whatever. And mm. um, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, like in a way, it's almost like um, similar to when you go to a museum and you see that the artist has done a bunch of sketches before mm-hmm. they did the final painting. Like, in a way, it's almost like these are... I don't, I don't even know how to describe them, but um, I, I don't want to call them exercises, but what you can do in a day versus what you can do in a year, that's quite a different thing, right? So I just wonder, yeah. how would you value a piece of art like that? Uh, I, I would, um, if, if, if uh, speaking to people and understanding his um, uh, ideology and, and his kind of work, what inspired me really is, is like he sets a bar, very low bar for every day, right? Like each day, what he wants to put out there is not a ma- like it's not his masterwork. It's ha- you have to put out something, and and that's very inspiring to me. It's like going to the gym every day, right? Like we all say we want to, but we never do, right? Like we we have to show up, and that's all. It matters if you, if you if you think about it. So yeah, like someone working over thirteen years is is still very awesome to create one piece of art. But what is the proof of work that they worked every day on it, right? Maybe they skipped a weekend. We don't know, right? <laughs> and what, what's beautiful about people is he put out all of these pieces over time, right? Like, and we are from the we are from the crypto industry, and we understand proof of work that way. And so there is some evidence right on the internet which says this people actually did what he's saying he did so that's very important too and well so then i also do want to ask though you know and i mean i know that i kind of asked this before but since people can still see these online and they don't need to have Mm -hmm. spent 69 million dollars to do so so what do you think that you actually bought with that money yeah. So that's the uh, thesis of NFTs itself. So uh, when I was saying NFTs are, you know, 10x better than the physical counterpart, one of the things which I which I really like about NFTs is the fact that, you know, it's composable. You sh- we should understand that it's very similar to another, like, like DeFi protocols are awesome because they're composable, right? And in the same way, NFT is just on the Ethereum blockchain, if you think about it. Now we can do hundreds of things about uh, about them. Like for example, a physical art is maybe owned by one person, or 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 say three four people. Uh, like I don't know if if three four people will want to own uh, physical art. It's it's like it's it has that uh, feeling of of being owned by one person and kept in one location, right? So what happens is it's. We, we recognize a few historical physical art, which through how relevant they are, like Mona Lisa, most of the world's population has not seen Mona Lisa in person, but they recognize it, right? Like how, how did that happen? That's because of a picture. And most people, it's, 
most people don't believe that they own it right like it does not destroy the value of the physical piece itself just because i have a copy of mona lisa on my in my computer or, or it's pasted all over the internet right in the same way what the nft does is that it gives that uh, it packs the whole story into it the if if it's if it's this piece it packs the fact that people worked on it for 13 years it packs the fact that people actually minted this on this time and it packs the fact that we actually bought it at this time and all of this goes to into the nft and and the blockchain right and and all this provenance and everything which which was historically um the auction houses major uh job and and what they used to take the maximum cost for is all gone because they are all very simply recorded and now using that because we can pull them into various composable stuff uh, maybe uh there there could be fractionalization that that can just be done right like we you can take a pay, um nft and then divide them into say tau 100 million uh, tokens and then sell them right like i like i'm not planning to do that with with this particular piece at least yet but that's an that's an option i have right and that's that that was never that's not a easy option if it's a physical art right we have to make sure in in the physical world that becomes a security if you think about it because you have to trust the person to store it properly right and in in the case of nfts it's on chain it be on the smart contract the only risk is the smart contract getting hacked but that's always going to be there but you know like you don't have to trust the issuer of the token that the nft is actually backing the token right right so we're going to dive a little bit more into what gives these nfts value and and how people are mm. um creating value from them but first a quick word from the sponsors who make this show possible With over 10 million users, crypto.com is the easiest place to buy and sell over 90 cryptocurrencies. Grow your crypto with crypto.com earn, which pays up to 8.5% interest on your Bitcoin and 14% interest on your stablecoins. When it's time to spend your crypto, nothing beats the crypto.com Visa card, which pays you up to 8% back instantly and gives you 100% rebates for your Netflix, Spotify, and Amazon Prime subscriptions. Download the crypto.com app now and get $25 by using the code Laura. The link is in the description. Back to my conversation with Metacoven. So, um I also just wanted to flesh out a little bit more what your vision of the metaverse will look like in the future. What mm-hmm. how, and even just describe metaverse and and then, you know, describe what you expect that will look mm-hmm. like. So metaverse is not very different from what uh mm, crypto like people in crypto we've been experiencing something of this global uh community for a while now right like we like i i i feel like uh, the ethereum conference itself is a very inspiring one where it never happens in one place it never happens in one country uh and and that's very inspiring because if you are part of the ethereum community what you know is that if you attend all devcons probably you you also get to go around the world right and probably with the money you made with ethereum yeah. so that's very interesting right like as a as a experience and being part of the community now what i feel about metaverse is that we are just um, like that that word might feel like very futuristic and and a little bit more very confusing but 
think about like there is there is this 3d metaverse also which is being created like in the virtual worlds and and that's where we are building museums etc but there is this 2d world also like discord for example is where you know there are new communities that that's not purely technical so with the crypto and the uh, defy up to the defy uh, you know like uh, the the growth i think we had a lot of technical people move into crypto but right now we have other kinds of people artists uh, singers uh, uh, you know performance uh, artists like different kinds of people uh, with different talent they are all moving in and 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 forming their own communities right and that's very interesting if if you uh, if you think about what it implies and that means that we are creating this online community allowing the creation of online communities of like minded people and then this will translate into physical things so so instead of you know going to the boring i don't know like i'm just kidding but you know going to the boring technical dev cons maybe at some point there'll be more entertaining ones right like that all was created online right so i feel like the metaverse is is just going to complement what's happening in the physical world and i i don't imagine too much of a dystopian world where we just start living in metaverse like a ready player one at least yet uh, and Poor and Molly. i don't want to live in that world either yeah exactly <laughs> i don't in a in a sense that i like the metaverse but you know you get to use only two of two or three of your senses and and that's not very cool right like so the physical world still times the metaverse definitely at least we've not there yet so i guess metaverse is is just a way for you to meet like minded people and get them onto the physical world and so for you you go by a pseudonymous name and for the for the people who are watching the video they'll see that you're using an avatar and not showing your face why why not just be open about your identity mm actually um um th- this this is a very deep question also i i i'm it's not like um people who work with me or people in the community a lot of them actually know me right like because end of the day if i go to a conference we are going to meet each other in person right so a lot of a lot of us who meet each other are like okay yeah like this is this is who we are in real real life and this is what i did before i why became metacoven and i'm also quite comfortable and probably with all this media attention um it's it's harder to keep this you know under wraps because there is so, always some kind of leakage right like so it gets out but the fact is that this specific character over time ha- creates this very interesting connection for me with the community you know the real person in me feels very differently than this character now where metacoven how he is received and and the other guy who how he is received right <laughs> like i could be the same guy inside but i'm very different to people and and if i if i come on another podcast and be the other guy i don't know i don't know if you would ask the same questions also right like it'll be a very different podcast and and i i i told this to someone maybe the real guy would not have bought the 69 million dollar pick but meta coven did right and and that's very important because you know he's already living in the metaverse and i feel like right now i'm operating that character right 
in the future, it could be someone else or, or a team who could operate it too. This is becoming such a, an interesting conversation. Um, <laughs> one thing I've heard is in another interview, you said that you came to crypto with nothing. And so I was curious mm -hmm. to hear, how did you make so much money in crypto? Like, what was it that you did in such a short period of time? And then what made you feel comfortable spending so much of it on something that other people, many other people <laughs> don't even think has value? Yeah. This is this is the this is the question for the real guy, right? Because Metacorn came in rich, <laughs> <laughs> and he's just spending the other guy's money. Now, now the thing is that when I started in crypto, um, 2013, um, I, 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 yeah, I had no money, and 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 this community was so open. Right now. Maybe we feel after, especially after the ICO thing, there is a lot of, you know, like, um, like suspect, right? Like pe we, we are, we are thinking about other people and, and thinking, hmm, what's their intention, right? But, but back in 2013, people were like, yeah, come on, come on, because there was no one uh, building anything on, on Bitcoin, right? So I started back then when it was people were, you know, like wanting to create that community, very welcoming. And, and that's what got me started. I, I started on forums, you know, like, like I, I, I used to, you know, create some kind of service so that, you know, I can, I can make a little bit of money and, and that grew with the industry and, and, and my life also slowly grew and, and I became part of, um, um, the larger uh, Bitcoin community. And with, when Ethereum came up, um, I was lucky enough to have the knowledge that there's going to be a crowd sale and, and why that crowd sale was important. And I got to invest in that, right? So a little bit of the money, it's not a lot, meaning in the larger context, but that was my starting point where I, I, I invested a little bit of money into Ethereum that taught me that, you know, this was a huge opportunity where it's like investing in a startup, right? A lot of people uh, who are, who, have, who think about Ethereum's growth as, as something that's very unnatural, but Uber is, Uber was hundred billion dollars. Squire is hundred billion dollars, right? Like it's just that it allowed a lot of people to make money and not, not like five, 10 people. That, that's, that's, that's good, right? And I think I carried the same attitude, uh, in terms of investments into the other, uh, trends. So I always understood trends. I, I worked on crypto every day and, and I understood trends and, and, and I saw, uh, new projects for what they are researched. And, and I, I, and I did take my Ethereum and, and start you know, snowballing them into, into the other important, uh, protocols, Polkadot, uh, up to flow, uh, till now. Wow. So it's been, it's been a continuous process for me. So that's my, uh, like that takes 33% of my time, right? Like I, I, I read and, and I talk to people and make sure I'm up to date because it's very hard to do that too. So that's, that's one of the, th that's one of the guys behind it, right? But, you know, what I like and the other question you asked of how, what gave me, you know, the, the strength to spend this money, right? That's a very different question because for a guy who had no money in 2013, you know, like what gives him the strength? Because I could have, I could be doing hundred other things. 
I don't know. I don't know if I would be doing 100 other things actually. The money that came to me came from crypto and I feel like it's it's great that I'm able to do that do the same thing, you know, change someone's life in the, in a in a very inspiring way. And and that inspiration could, you know, touch millions of people now, right? Like it's in the mainstream it's it's going to bring lot of artists into nfts and they're going to make their first $1000 first $5000 just like i did in 2013 and we'd be there too like we are not just buying beeples we're buying every artist and we're spending we've spent around you know like we've spent a lot of money not just on the big names the stars but we are using stars for the headlines and we've been supporting you know all new artists that are interesting and and they understand what this system is and and they are from different parts of the world you know this is their first leg up and that's what i enjoy and when you say we are you talking about metapurse yeah okay. metapurse yeah and just quickly like a yes or no did what, did you have any background in art before you started doing this i i didn't have any background in finance economics art before i started crypto <laughs> everything crypto teaches us everything wow okay so can you briefly describe your vision for metaverse and also tell us about the b20 token we're running out of time but i sure. obviously want to be sure to touch on these things sure sure so um like metaverse itself i i start again just, i i just started it on my own right like it it a met okay so i started collecting nfts on my own and it was just a hobby i didn't think too much about it but then when i uh, when when tubador who's who's the steward of metabus who who actually is the art collector in in our team uh he he i i saw him very interested in in all these things and he he built his own name he's a good writer um, and and he he had his own social network with the artists i was like yeah this very interesting i like i'm i'm deploying capital why don't you do that right like and and we we thought okay let's let's have a um let's have a name for this and that became metapurse right so i consolidated all my nfts into it and we 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 instead of slowing down we really uh, pushed the uh, gas and and we've been doing this uh, uh, like since i think july uh, last year and it's been going very well right so what what now happens with metapurse is that we we collect various artists that's that's on one side but with once in a while i also try to think about the thesis of metaverse and see how i can push it forward so one of them where when people second drop came out when he had 20 pieces right and we were thinking the first the first uh, drop went for $66000 and i was thinking okay it will be very interesting if we could buy all the pieces right like and we could we could create a museum out of it and so that it'll be interesting because it will it will attract that kind of attention and and curiosity from a lot of people so we tried doing that it was hard the stories in multiple other podcasts but you know it it created this uh, uh, uh like news uh, cycle where you know it was it was tubado's conviction uh, in in me which also made it happen but we bought the 20 pieces built the museum and and what we did was we took the land the museum designs the art the the soundscape in the museum all together and put it in a smart contract bundled them together and then created tokens 10 million tokens and then sold a little like uh, around 40% of it right so 
the whole experience was very interesting because it didn't involve any accountants right like if i did it in the real world i imagine it's very similar to creating a mall right like i would have spent 30% of the funds on just that but this was very interesting and and we didn't like because it was an experiment we didn't even price it like you know 10x or something which um we, like uh, we we price it at 30% premium so that you know we can co- cover our costs but that's it and uh, like to 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 make like to be transparent i've not sold any of my b20 tokens that i kept and that's been a question that's going around also so it's it's not like i i sold my b20 in order to purchase this people it's it's all new money right right and we 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 are going to hold on to the b20s for a while okay yeah cuz obviously i'm sure you saw the criticism that the Christie sale bought uh, brought positive press to people and NFTs, and then that boosted um, your stake in B in the B twenty yeah. tokens. So, um, okay, well, this obviously, it's, I mean, this is just such a fascinating conversation because I really feel like, in a way, what you're talking about is so new that a lot of people can't grasp it, and yet at the same time. I'm not quite sure if the reason is because it's not going to go anywhere. So, <laughs> so I think <laughs> we're okay. I think we're going to have to have yeah. you on in the future, and we will see what happens between now and then. Sure, sure. <laughs> okay. I really like how I, I'm a fan of your podcast, and I really like how you're very frank, right? Like you're to the point. So, I, I, yeah, I would I would enjoy being in the podcast again. Great. Yeah. yeah. Well, this was super fun. Thank you so much for coming on Unconfirmed. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Don't forget, next up is the weekly news recap. Thanks for tuning in to this week's news recap. First headline. Crypto exchanges race to go public. Coinbase filed an amended S1 with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission on Wednesday. Disclosing the exchange has registered roughly 115 billion shares of Class A common stock. In preparation for the public listing, which does not yet have a date, Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong hosted a virtual AMA, or Ask Me Anything, on Reddit over the last three days with the hope that, quote, investors, regardless of affiliation or size, have access to information and have the opportunity to engage with us. eToro is set to go public via a special purpose acquisition company, or SPAC, with a valuation of approximately $10.4 billion dollars. Betsy Cohen, chair of Fintech Acquisition Corp. 5, the company behind the SPAC deal, praised eToro as, quote, a social network platform that will be very helpful for younger investors. eToro has more than 20 million users, projects $1 billion in revenue for 2021, and currently offers 93 cryptocurrencies to its customers. Kraken, which Disclosure is a previous sponsor of my shows, is also considering going public though there are conflicting reports on how exactly it would do so. The block reported that Kraken could go public in the next year via a direct listing. Fox Business News reporter Charles Gasparino tweeted that Kraken execs are considering going public through a SPAC or IPO sometime in 2022. Kraken CEO Jesse Powell recently showed interest in going public, saying in a February Bloomberg interview, quote, We are certainly on track, though $10 billion is a low valuation. I wouldn't be interested in issuing shares at that price. Meanwhile, if you're wondering how well the crypto exchange business is doing, on-chain market analyst Willy Wu published a chart estimating that 35,000 new Bitcoin users a day are arriving on-chain. 
He says that means that crypto exchanges are, quote, likely adopting an additional 100,000 users per day right now. In related centralized finance news, CFI news, Binance is being investigated by the CFTC to determine whether the exchange permitted U.S. residents to buy and sell derivatives without registering with the agency first. While the report noted that Binance, quote, hasn't been accused of wrongdoing, BNB, the exchange's token, dropped 6% immediately, though it has since recovered some ground. Binance CEO Changping Zhao, or CZ, tweeted a response calling the report FUD and encouraging customers to keep biddling. Next headline, Morgan Stanley to offer clients access to Bitcoin funds. Morgan Stanley is partnering with NYDIG and Galaxy Digital to become the first large U.S. bank to offer client ac- clients access to Bitcoin funds. CNBC reports that the move was announced through an internal memo to its financial advisors directly responding to client demand for Bitcoin exposure. The offering comes with a few caveats, however. Customers must have at least $2 million in assets held by the investment bank. Morgan Stanley is also limiting Bitcoin investments to a maximum of 2.5% of their total net worth. Two of the funds will be offered through Mike Novogratz's Galaxy Digital. The third is a joint offering from Asset Manager, FS Investments, and NYDIG, the Bitcoin subsidiary to Stoneridge. Morgan Stanley was not the only bank to make a crypto move this week. Bank of New York Mellon, amongst others, is investing in Fireblocks, a crypto custodian startup. The Series C round raised $133 million. Additionally, the SEC acknowledged Van X Bitcoin ETF application on Monday. The SEC now has a 45-day window to make a decision on the proposal, although they can extend the review period up to 240 days to make a final decision. If approved, the Bitcoin ETF would be the first product of its kind in the U.S. Next headline, BitMEX founders begin the process of surrender. According to the block, Arthur Hayes, former CEO of BitMEX, plans to surrender to authorities as early as next month with a proposed $10 million bail. He will fly to Hawaii on April 6th from his current residence in Singapore and has proposed to continue residing in Singapore with pre-approved travel to New York as part of his bail conditions. Co-founder Bandello surrendered to U.S. authorities on Monday, where he was subsequently released on a $20 million bail. Next headline, Concerns About Bitcoin's Climate Impact Grows. Andrew Ross Sorkin of The New York Times wrote an article on Bitcoin's carbon footprint beginning with a Bill Gates quote from a February interview. Quote, Bitcoin uses more electricity per transaction than any other method known to mankind, and so it's not a great climate thing. The piece also mentions a Cambridge University study that calculates that the annual carbon emissions of Bitcoin is equal to New Zealand or Argentina. However, he notes the Norwegian energy company Acres Bitcoin spinoff, CT, is working on using renewables to power Bitcoin mining. A tweet thread from Mustafa Yilham Vice President of Global Business Development at Bitcoin Miner Bixen, explained that a Bitcoin miner's primary goal is to, quote, use the cheapest electricity rate available. But it just happens to be that renewable energy, hydropower, and other excessive waste energy, similar to flare gas, are cheapest. In China, he explains, miners migrate to different regions based on the season to be able to use 100% renewable energy during rainy summers when areas like Sichuan produce excess hydropower. Mustafa estimates that miners in Siberia, Iceland, and Sweden are probably close to 100% renewable energy. In case you missed it, we covered this topic on last Friday's podcast with Brendan McGill, co-founder of Offsetra and Carbon.FYI, who said that Offsetra estimates that 70% of proof-of-work mining is performed using fossil fuels. Next headline, 
some Nifty Gateway users hacked while NFTs generate debate. A small group of Nifty Gateway users were hacked. The account takeovers targeted accounts without two-factor authentication, which is not currently mandatory on the site. The popular non-fungible token platform returned the stolen art to its customers as the hacker failed to move the NFTs off of Nifty Gateway's platform, where the company controls the private keys. The lessons here are, number one, securing cryptographic wallets and keys should be a priority, and two-factor authentication is always a good idea. Number two, if you don't own the keys to your wallet, you don't own the NFT or any tokens associated with that address. Meanwhile, the debate over what exactly gives NFTs value continued. Nick Carter, partner at Castle Island Ventures, wrote in a post that the NFT process is neither God's gift nor doomed or bound to crash. He describes NFTs as a wrapper for content that is misconstrued as a product rather than a process. Carter is most intrigued by an NFT's ability to tightly link IP and digital content from creator to consumer, as well as the assurances of exclusivity that come with the minting process. Jimmy Song, a Bitcoin educator and developer, wrote that NFTs are a bubble, quote, ripe for popping, much in the same way ICOs came and went. He points to low liquidity, fraudulent slash stolen artwork, and demand limited to ETH holders as reasons, quote, NFTs are doomed to crash. A recent Coindesk column by Ajit Tripathi, the head of institutional business at Aave, argued that NFTs aren't just one thing, but will have multiple impacts. One, they will create digitally native token markets for off-chain assets. Two, they'll bring non-technical people into crypto through art and digital collectibles. And three, they'll force legal frameworks to align on-chain and off-chain rights. Next headline, Vlad Zamfir believes Casper Labs is misappropriating his name. Vlad Zamfir, a blockchain researcher formerly of the Ethereum Foundation, filed a complaint with the U.S. Southern District of California court against Casper Labs on Wednesday, claiming that Casper Labs is using the name Casper without his express consent. CBC Casper is the name of his branch of -of proof-of-stake research, he says, which he began in conjunction with the Ethereum Foundation with the Ethereum founder Vitalik Buterin in 2014. Vitalik's research on the topic is now called Ethereum 2.0. Along with branding many products under the name Casper, Zamfir alleges that Casper Labs has attempted to obtain ownership of the Casper trademark, which he says is almost exclusively used in reference to Mr. Zamfir's proof-of-stake research. Next headline, BitClout garners suspicion. A new decentralized protocol named BitClout garnered derision and outrage on crypto Twitter this week. The platform allows users to speculate on people and posts with real money. Every profile on the platform receives its own creator coin that can be bought and sold. The idea is to allow people to invest in profiles they assume will become popular, to basically invest in clout. Larry Cermak, director of research at The Block, tweeted on Wednesday that, quote, The BitClout scheme has so far been able to raise 2,705 bitcoins, which is approximately $155 million, before warning users to, quote, stay away from this garbage. Time for fun bits. Elon Musk teases with a song about NFTs. In a fourth wall breaking tweet, Elon Musk announced that he would be, quote, selling a song about NFTs as an NFT, while he later decided to pass on the actual sale where he had an offer of $1 million. I still think the entire tweet is worth a listen. I could write more or talk more about Elon and his Tesla purchase and his weird affinity for Doge, but I think people might have had the best response which was to produce an artwork of non-fungible Elons in which the Tesla CEO 
rides naked on a Shiba Inu while holding a gold trophy with the phrase NFE engraved on it. Finally, last fun bits. The Onion publishes an informative guide to NFTs. I highly recommend reading The Onion's Guide to NFTs. Here is one highlight. Question. Isn't their value completely made up? Answer. There's something you should know about money in general. All right. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about MetaCoven, Benepurse, and the Everyday's Christie auction, be sure to check out links in the show notes for this episode. Don't forget, we are now on YouTube. Subscribe to the Unchained YouTube podcast channel today. Unconfirmed is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Anthony Yoon, Mark Murdoch, and Daniel Ness. Thanks for listening. 